Welcome to episode 18 of History Stories for My Son, the podcast where we remember that history is a story that should be shared with every generation. As always, I'd ask that if you like this podcast and would like it to continue, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review, and share it with your friends. This time, I will tell you the story of Nikola Tesla, the man who gave us workable electricity. Madison Square Garden, the electrical exhibition of 1898. A man steps onto the stage. He's a tall man, fastidious and mustachioed, and he speaks with an Eastern European accent when he tells the assembled crowd that he has invented a device to send signals through the very air and control a boat remotely. The crowd is skeptical. That sounds like magic. And this is a time when electricity had only recently become part of the life of major cities. This was before the first widely recognized demonstration of radio transmission. But they also knew Tesla was a man of near wizard-like powers. If he said that someday people would be able to send signals over long distances, even control machines through signals in the air, then maybe, just maybe, it was true. Tesla was not a man to leave the crowd long in dispense. He unveiled a tank of water, a small boat about four feet long floated inside it. Tesla told the crowd that he would control the boat without ever going near it. It was plain to see that there were no wires attached. Tesla told the crowd that didn't matter, that he would control the boat using electromagnetic waves, which, while invisible, passed through the air. He operated the electronic control device, a device, of course, of his own design, and to the astonishment of everyone present, the boat started to move. Tesla steered the little boats around the tub, telling the crowd that he could turn it left or right, make it accelerate or stop, and following up on each claim with immediate proof, controlling the little boat expertly. Nikola Tesla had done it again. Like a man out of time, he'd shown the world the future. While remote-controlled vehicles wouldn't be anything more than a novelty for a hundred years, he was right when he told the stunned crowd that someday mankind would harness the power of machines controlled through invisible signals through the air. He'd given the people of the 19th century a glimpse of the 21st century. On the stroke of midnight, July 10th, 1856, during a lightning storm so intense that it illuminated the streets like day. Nikola Tesla was born of Serbian parents in the village of Smiljan in the Austrian Empire, in what is now present-day Croatia. It is said the midwife told his mother that he was a child of the storm, 
To which she responded, No, he is a child of the light. You'll find in studying history that many people we now think of as great didn't particularly stand out as children. They were ordinary students who nobody expected much out of. It's so common, uh, and people like those types of stories so much that it's almost become a sort of biographical cliché. That was not the case with Tesla. He was always brilliant, and everyone around him knew it. He had a true photographic memory. If he saw or heard something once, it remained with him, as clear as if he were presently experiencing it for the rest of his days. He could perform integral calculus in his head, and he had the ability to visualize any machine in three dimensions. It's every component as clearly visualized, as firmly fixed in place, as if he were walking around a scale model. He could modify the model in his mind, run mental experiments by changing one component or another, and then run the simulation forward in his brain to see how the modification affected the machine's function. His great imagination had only one flaw. It was almost too powerful. And at times, he had difficulty distinguishing reality from his own visions. Tesla's genius was obvious to all, and from an early age he gravitated towards science and engineering. But his father, an Eastern Orthodox priest, wanted the boy to take his immense talents into the clergy. As a teenager, Tesla contracted cholera, and was bedridden for nine months. He nearly died several times. When his father asked if there was anything he could do, anything at all, Tesla didn't waste the opportunity. He told him he thought he might be able to recover if he had something to look forward to. He asked his father to promise him that if he survived, he'd send him to the best engineering school he could find. Of course, his father was going to promise his dying son anything, so he agreed. And almost like magic, Tesla started to recover. And uh, when he returned to full health, his father kept his promise. History is full of inflection points where seemingly minor things have profound consequences. I think this was one of them. If Tesla hadn't contracted cholera, he may have been pressured into the priesthood. Uh, or, of course, uh, he could have died from the disease. Either way, the world would have lost everything that he one day discovered. But Tesla recovered, and in 1875, he enrolled in the Austrian Polytechnic in Graz, where he became a star student in his first year, earning the highest grades possible and passing twice the number of exams as required. He was obsessive in his studies, working from 3 a.m. to 11 p.m. seven days a week, without holidays. That was, of course, part of what made him such a phenomenal student, but his obsessiveness eventually got in the way. Increasingly, he became obsessed with electricity, and in particular with the idea of an alternating current engine. He told one of his professors he could make one. That professor humiliated him in front of the class, saying that while 
Mr. Tesla would undoubtedly do great things. One thing he would never do was to create an alternating current engine, because that was impossible. He drifted away from his studies, obsessed with finding the solution to his engine, until he eventually dropped out of school entirely. He disappeared so completely that his friends came to believe a widespread rumor that he had drowned in a nearby river. He drifted for a few years until finding work at a telegraph company in Budapest in 1881, where his talents were quickly recognized and he was promoted to chief electrician. This, in turn, led to a recommendation to work for Continental Edison in Paris, a branch office of the electrical company created by American genius Thomas Edison, the inventor of the light bulb. The management quickly recognized his advanced knowledge of physics and engineering and had him designing improved dynamos and going on troubleshooting missions at other Edison facilities throughout France and Germany. Eventually, he was sent to the United States with a letter of introduction to Thomas Edison himself from Tesla's Paris manager, who was so impressed with the young man that uh, he told Edison, I've met two great men in my life, you and this young man. Tesla was eager to meet Edison, who was something of a hero to him. Here was a man who invented world-changing inventions, a pioneer of technology, exactly as Tesla aspired to be. By now, Tesla had actually produced a working prototype of his alternating current engine, uh, an obsession he'd never given up on. He was sure Edison would be interested since alternating current was a superior technology to direct current. I'm not a scientist, but my understanding is that direct current basically works like a river, where electricity is generated and pushed in a single direction down a wire. The weakness of direct current is that the strength of the current diminishes quickly. After just a couple miles of going down a copper wire, direct current drops to almost nothing. That means in order for a direct current electrical system to work, you need an electricity generating station every mile or two. Alternating current, however, works more like the tide, with electricity flowing back and forth in both directions. For technical reasons beyond me, this allows much higher voltages, more power to be pushed into the same amount of wires, and that power can go much further tens or even hundreds of miles, and still be useful. But building an AC generator was harder to do. In fact, so hard that most people at the time thought it was unworkable. But Tesla, being Tesla, figured it out. And he was sure that once Edison was shown that the technology actually worked, he would eagerly adopt it. Tesla was wrong. Edison appreciated the young man's talents and put him to work designing better direct current dynamos. Uh, but he wanted nothing to do with the young man's invention. Tesla tried to make the best of it and went to work with the same energy he'd shown at school, prompting Edison to say that while he'd had many hard-working assistants, Tesla took the cake. 
But after six months, Tesla became frustrated with Edison's continuing lack of interest in alternating current. Perhaps because of that, or perhaps because Edison failed to pay him a promised bonus, he quit. For a time, he formed a partnership with a couple investors he'd met during his time with the Edison Company. But he was always terrible at business. And after stealing some of his ideas for improved direct current generators, they cut him out of the business and left him penniless. Adrift in, for him, the foreign land of New York City, without friends, without family, Tesla went through a very tough time. He went broke and had to work literally as a ditch digger for $2 a day just to feed himself. One of the greatest minds in human history, digging ditches. He wrote during this period, quote, My high education in various branches of science, mechanics, and literature seemed to me like a mockery. But in late 1886, things started to turn around. He was able to interest a couple of investors in his AC motor, one of whom happened to be a patent lawyer who was able to get the technology patented under Tesla's name. After Tesla perfected his design, he demonstrated his AC motor and power system at the 1888 meeting of the American Institute for Electrical Engineers. Word got to an electrical entrepreneur by the name of George Westinghouse, who needed the technology to successfully compete against Edison's direct current empire. Westinghouse purchased the rights to the technology from Tesla for $60,000, equivalent to almost $2 million today, plus $2.50 per horsepower produced by Tesla's generators. He also hired Tesla as a consultant for $2,000 a month, or almost $60,000 today. Thus, the electric current wars were joined with Westinghouse alternating current pitted against the direct current system controlled by Edison. There was a reason Edison hadn't supported Tesla's alternating current idea when Tesla had offered them up to his hero. Edison had invested a lot of money in direct current technology. He'd built up the infrastructure for it. The system's were incompatible without major retrofit with alternating current. And so if alternating current won, that meant all of Edison's early investments would be worth almost nothing. And Edison wouldn't go down without a fight. Unlike Tesla, he was a very good businessman and a very ruthless one. He launched a propaganda campaign against alternating current claiming the technology was unsafe because of the higher voltages alternating current allowed. Ironically, for a man who was very much motivated by money, he accused Westinghouse of putting profits above public safety to prove that AC current was dangerous. He funded a series of bizarre demonstrations where small animals were intentionally electrocuted by AC current, He also encouraged the adoption of AC current electric chairs as an alternative to hanging, believing, one presumes, that people wouldn't want in their homes the same type of electricity used to execute murderers. 
1893, Tesla helped Westinghouse win the contract to light the World Columbian Exposition, the World Fair in Chicago. The system, which relied on Tesla's AC generators, provided the most stunning demonstration of electricity the world had ever seen. For its six months' run, the fair generated more than three times as much electricity as the rest of the city of Chicago. Its illumination was so stunning that people described the city as magical, like something out of a fairy tale. Tesla put on a number of demonstrations at the electricity building, where Westinghouse had a large exhibit space. One of his demonstrations was of lights illuminated without wires, which he achieved using tubes full of gas that illuminated when exposed to an electric field. Fairgoers were stunned as Tesla produced light seemingly out of nothing. Although it wouldn't be commercialized for many years, Tesla's demonstrations are the foundation of modern fluorescent lighting. The success of the electrical system at the World Columbian Exposition attracted the notice of the head of a Niagara Falls construction company who sought out Tesla's advice on how to build a hydro-powered electric plant based on Tesla's AC-generating technology. Tesla, who, as a boy, had seen pictures of Niagara Falls and even then imagined the potential of harnessing that power for man, was ecstatic to set to work, and he did so with his usual vigor. His efforts produced the greatest hydroelectric plant, and up to that time the greatest electrical plant of any sort, which became operational in 1895. The enormous power generated was able to light up homes for dozens of miles away, a far larger reach than anything produced by Edison. The one-two punch of the fair and the falls, the stunning success of each, was too much for even Edison to spin negatively. Increasingly, the public became aware that AC power was just superior to direct power, and it became the form of power that was adopted almost everywhere. In fact, uh, when you plugged in the device on which you're listening to this, uh, you were almost certainly uh, plugging into a power grid based on alternating current technology. Tesla spent much of the 1890s working on various experiments into forms of electromagnetism. He was one of the earliest people to experiment in the field of x-rays. In fact, he may have actually taken an x-ray earlier than uh, what we normally attribute as the discovery of x-rays, uh, although he didn't particularly make that claim to fame. He was fascinated by the concept of sending invisible signals to the air, which led to the remote control demonstration in 1898 that we talked about during the introduction. Unfortunately, none of these experiments led to commercial successes. This wouldn't have mattered if Tesla had retained his royalty rights with Westinghouse, However, Tesla, unfortunately, always a terrible businessman, had given up those rights for literally nothing. 
1891, Westinghouse went through a difficult financial period, uh, and the man himself asked Tesla to relinquish the royalty rights because otherwise, he said, the business would go under, and Tesla would have to, quote, deal with the bankers to try to collect his future royalties. Tesla agreed on the spot without consulting a lawyer or making any attempt to negotiate. If he'd kept the royalty, he would have been one of the wealthiest men of his age, of any age, as AC power came to electrify the world. But he didn't. And eventually the lump sum payments he received from Westinghouse ran out. At one point, Westinghouse bought him out of the remainder of his rights for another lump sum. And so he was well off for a while, to be sure, but he was burning money at a prodigious rate. He, he liked expensive things. He lived in fancy hotels. And uh, his experiments were costly. Running a lab was costly. And so by the turn of the 20th century, despite being internationally famous, he was almost out of money and needed to interest another round of outside investors to continue his experiments. He convinced the financier, John Jacob Astor, to invest $100,000, that's more than $3 million in today's money, in what Astor thought was mostly going to be used to commercialize Tesla's uh, wireless lighting technology. Instead, Tesla used it to build a massive Tesla coil in Colorado to create artificial lightning. Uh, Tesla coil was a device, of course, invented by Tesla, hence the name, to step up the power of electricity uh, hugely to the point where it actually generated arcs of electricity that are functionally like lightning. And he succeeded in creating lightning bolts of up to 135 feet in length. And in doing so, he was able to prove that he could conduct enough power through the atmosphere to light up electrical devices, just light bulbs, up to a couple of miles away without the benefits of wires. But his dream of creating a system to transmit large amounts of power over even longer distances through the atmosphere, even through the Earth, uh, he had this theory that if you got the resonance just right, you could send electricity through the ground and pick it up at another place on Earth. Uh, but those were not successful. And so in the end, the Colorado Springs experiments were an expensive sideshow where he used up Astor's money without a whole lot to show for it. Probably the most significant thing in a bad way for his career was that uh, he claimed during that time to have picked up signals from another planet on a radio receiver that he was also experimenting with there. That, of course, damaged his credibility as a serious scientist, uh, though uh, so much credibility had he already built up that it, it didn't ruin him quite yet. And I think here, probably his eccentricity helped. The people expected strange behavior and beliefs from him. Uh, he had a lot of strange behaviors and beliefs. He was an obsessive compulsive who insisted on going around a building three times before entering. And everything he dealt with, down to hotel room numbers, had to be divisible by three. For instance, he would have to be in a, a room number nine, a room number 27, etc. if he stayed at a hotel. Uh, and he was a germaphobe, 
who found the feel of human hair to be disgusting. And he became physically ill at the sight of a woman's earring. Just something about uh, seeing uh, penetration of the earlobe actually made him so sick that he couldn't even talk to a woman with earrings. Uh, so when people heard, he, he now said he was talking to aliens, they kind of shrugged and, and let it go. Uh, it was Tesla being Tesla. And who knows, Tesla is a lot smarter than I am, so if he says he got a signal from aliens, who's to say? But it didn't help him, and so he had to work extra hard to get the next round of seed money. But he managed it. He actually convinced J.P. Morgan, one of the richest financiers of the day, to give him another 150000 to build a massive 187-foot-tall experimental transmission tower on Long Island. After uh, another inventor, the Italian Marconi, beat Tesla to the punch by demonstrating useful radio transmissions across the English Channel, Morgan lost interest. Tesla tried to convince the financial titan that he was onto something even bigger than radio, transmitting not just communications, but power through the air or even the Earth. Uh, Tesla had this vision of transmitting power thousands of miles that's a farmer sitting in his, on his remote farmstead in the middle of nowhere could tap into it through the atmosphere and take advantage of all of the electrical conveniences that city dwellers were starting to enjoy. Morgan was unmoved by the utopian vision of people pulling down free power from anywhere. As he put it bluntly, quote, where do we put the meter? It's still not known for sure whether Tesla's vision was ever viable. Even today, wireless power transmission is still only workable over short distances. But who knows? Tesla was a once-in-a-century genius. Who's to say what he might have done with enough resources? But he was out of resources. Morgan wouldn't pour any more money into the project, and neither would anyone else. Eventually, Tesla had to mortgage the property to pay his debts, and the bank tore down the tower in order to make the property more marketable on resale. Tesla, now effectively broke, spent uh, his remaining years continuing to work, continuing to experiment, but without the resources to do it on the scale he really wanted. He spent some time trying to sue Marconi for infringing on several of his patents when developing radio technology. The case dragged on, as large cases tend to, and it wasn't until 1943, after Tesla's death, that the U.S. Supreme Court finally ruled that Tesla had developed some of the key technologies for radio before Marconi. Tesla was never married and struggled with human relationships, and uh, he died essentially broke. Rags to riches, back to rags. And yet, I think it would be a mistake to view his story as a sad one, merely because the last chapter had a melancholy note. Here was a man who chased his dream halfway around the world and largely achieved it. 
Here was a man who imagined something his contemporaries thought impossible. His invention, his system for generating and transmitting alternating current power made the modern world possible. Electricity is the primary means that we power all the devices that make the modern world. Look around. How are you listening to this podcast? How do you wash your clothes? How can you see at night? When you go to work, what powers the equipment you rely on to do your work? You and I are living in the world that Tesla made. Others contributed, of course, but it took someone to make the key breakthrough. It took a visionary who was willing to go up against how everybody else thought the world worked and say, no, I don't accept that. I'm going to imagine a world where something new is possible. I'm going to make something new possible. And to the extent Tesla failed, it was only for dreaming too big for the time he lived in. Tesla once said, I do not think there is any thrill that can go through the human heart like that felt by the inventor as he sees some creation of the brain unfolding to success. Such emotions make a man forget food, sleep, friends, love, everything. By that measure, by his own measure, Tesla enjoyed happiness like few human beings have ever experienced.